You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. Today, we bring you a special program honoring the life and work of the celebrated poet, Diane De Prima. This week marks one year since her passing in October of 2020. She was at the forefront of the beat movement as one of its outspoken feminist voices and one of the 20th century's great feminist poets. Born in 1930 in Brooklyn, by the 50s, she had become an emerging writer in the Greenwich Village scene, developing friendships with the poets Amiri Baraka, Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, Frank O'Hara, and Audre Lorde. With Amiri Baraka, she co-edited the literary magazine, The Floating Bear from 1961 through 1969. She founded Idolon Editions and the Poets Institute and co-founded the Poets Press and the New York Poets Theater. She moved to San Francisco in 1968. A follower of Tibetan Buddhism, she co-founded the San Francisco Institute of Magical and Healing Arts. She also taught poetics at New College of California, the San Francisco Art Institute, and the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics at the Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado. During her life, Diane De Prima published more than 40 books. She served as Poet Laureate of San Francisco in 2009 and has been awarded the National Poetry Association's Lifetime Service Award, the Fred Cody Award for Lifetime Achievement, as well as numerous other honors. Now, one of the lesser known facts about Ms. De Prima was that she was on the forefront of the battle for freedom of speech in the 50s and 60s in the United States, having faced on several occasions charges of obscenity uh, by the FBI and the police due to her work with the New Poets, the New York Poets Theater and the uh, Floating Bear magazine. Diane De Prima's poetry mixes stream of consciousness with attention to form and joins politics into spiritual practice. She held a very special place for us here at City Lights as we shared a deep friendship with her and were honored to be able to publish her work. Today's tribute is celebrating one of her seminal works. We are happy to announce the reprinting in a special 50th anniversary hardcover edition of her Revolutionary Letters. It features 15 new poems, and it is one of her most important works, and we are delighted to be able to make it available in this special edition for a whole new generation to appreciate. So tonight's event is being brought to you by the City Lights Foundation, working in conjunction with Lost and Found, the CUNY Poetics Document Initiative at the City University of New York. We have with us tonight the family, friends, and colleagues of Diane De Prima coming together to celebrate her life and her words. So I'd like to open the evening by inviting Diane's life partner and collaborator of many years, a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner in his own right, uh, Shepard Powell will be opening the evening. Hi. Um, in 2009, Diane was informed by the mayor's office that she would be the next poet laureate, but that she had to keep it secret. Diane didn't like secrets, uh, but you know, she kept it under wraps for a while and then she just got bored. And she said, the official thing at the San Francisco Public Library will be beautiful, but it's gonna be formal. I wanna do it my way, the street way. 
And so on the occasion of her 75th birthday party at a loft in the mission, with all her friends and loved ones, she staged an inauguration in her style. She had robes on and with all the jewels her body would hold. She had her left hand placed on a volume of Keats and her right hand like this, as Ron Turner from Last Gas Press officiated. Oh, and she had a laurel wreath on her head. She did it upright. And this is what she wrote as her own poet laureate, Oath of Office. In the name of Tara, most bountiful, most holy, all-powerful mother, indwelling every being, I will do all in my power in this magical city to guard, honor, and propagate poetry of all kinds for all people in all walks of life and remind them to celebrate the world in all its mystery. Every vision is holy. The power of the imagination is vast. And poetry guards the old roads and opens new ones. Every day, the poem cuts trails into the realms of gold the alchemical gold of the mind. This next was written for her friend, the master filmmaker, Stan Brackage, as his life was winding down. Anticipation of the night for Stan Brackage. Approach death. Approach wide-eyed, soft. Approach the night, calligraphy of the stars. Diane continued writing until the last weeks of her life. Not all of what she left us is legible. Happily, this one is. So written during lockdown um, by what it was adjacent to in the notebook I found. A best guess is it was written sometime in August of 2020. I think I forgot to turn off the radio when I left my mother's womb. In Hasidic Judaism, it is said that before we are born, an angel enters the womb, strikes us on the mouth, and we forget all that we knew of previous lives, all that we know of heaven. I think that I forgot to forget. I was born into two places at once. In one, it was chilly, lonely, physical, and uncomfortable. In the other, I stayed in the dimension of spirit. What I knew, I knew. 
I did not forget voices. The world of spirit held me in its arms. Thank you, Diane. And thank you, City Lights. Thank you, Shep. Our next speaker is poet, essayist, and music critic, Hanif Abdurraqib. He is the author of numerous books, his poetry having been published in various journals, including the Pen American, and his essays and music criticism have appeared in The New Yorker, amongst other outlets. We are honored to have him here with us tonight. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks everyone, and thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, as always, it's an honor to, to, to sit in community of folks who love Diane's work and beyond Diane's work who love Diane. Um, if I'm a little brief tonight, I apologize. I was, I've been stricken with a bout of food poisoning that I am still battling. And so I won't say too much as a preface, but to say that um, there's something about Diane's work that um, has always pushed me away from my default cynicism. And I think what does that is the constant reminder that uh, there's almost a requirement to live a life beyond the page is one thing to write towards um, a radical sense of community or politic, whatever that means for you. But um, it is almost a requirement, I think, I believe, to commit that elsewhere um, beyond just the page. And I appreciate that as a reminder. My dog is attempting to, uh, my dog is attempting to get some screen time. Um, I'm going to read revolutionary letter uh, number 68 which is one I love the most. I think it is the former athlete in me that loves anaphora and repetition or a chance to start anew and be grounded uh, every few sentences or so. Uh, and so I'm going to read Revolutionary Letter 68 and um, gratitude to City Lights and everyone who I get to kind of share this space with tonight in honor of Diane. Cacophony of small birds at dawn, may it continue. Sticky monkey flowers on bare brown hills, may it continue. Bitter taste of early miners' lettuce, may it continue. Music on city streets in the summer nights, may it continue. Kids laughing on roofs, on stoops, on the beach, in the snow, may it continue. Triumphal shout of the newborn, may it continue. Deep silence of great rainforest, may it continue. Fine austerity of jungle peoples, may it continue. Rolling fuck of great whales in turquoise ocean, may it continue. Clumsy splash, splash of pelican in smooth bays, may it continue. Astonished human eyeballs squinting through eons at astonished nebula who squint back, may it continue. Clean snow on the mountain, may it continue. Fierce eyes, clear light of the aged, may it continue. Right of birth and of naming, may it continue. Right of instruction, may it continue. Right of passage, may it continue. Love in the morning, love in the noon sun, love in the evening among crickets, may it continue. Long tales by fire, by window, in fog, in dusk on the mesa, may it continue. Love in thick midnight, fierce joy of old ones loving, may it continue. The night music, may it continue. Grunt of mating hippo, giraffe, 
foreplay of snow leopards, screeching of cats in the backyard fence. May it continue. Without police, may it continue. Without prisons, may it continue. Without hospitals, death medicine, flu and flu vaccine, may it continue. Without madhouses, marriage, high schools that are prisons, may it continue. Without empire, may it continue. In sisterhood, may it continue. Through the wars to come, may it continue. In brotherhood, may it continue. Though the earth seem lost, may it continue. Through exile and silence, may it continue. With cunning and love, may it continue. As woman continues, may it continue. As breath continues, may it continue. As stars continue, may it continue. May the wind deal kindly with us. May the fire remember our names. May springs flow, rain fall again. May the land grow green. May it swallow our mistakes. We begin the work. May it continue. The great transmutation. May it continue. A new heaven and a new earth. May it continue. May it continue. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Hanif. That was beautiful. So as mentioned at the outset, Diane had a very deep relationship with City Lights. I, I personally went to school with some of her kids and, and saw her at different times in her life. Garrett Caples, our poetry editor, worked very closely with her over the years on her work, editing her two posthumously produced works, which we are celebrating this week. I think if anyone got to know Diane pretty well, I would say it was Garrett. So I'd like to welcome next the poetry editor at City Lights and a remarkable poet in his own right, Garrett Caples. Thanks, Peter. I want to say in preface, I, I just recently found out uh, the New York Times ran a kind of nasty cartoon about Diane a couple of weeks back in the literary review, in the book review. And um, I was really, uh, I got a little heated about that. And, uh, but then <clears throat> I actually love it because it means like she, you know, she's dead and she still bothers the hell out of people <laughs> that like enough that, uh, that they felt the need to put her down. With the with these books coming out, so you know, it tells you a lot about the, uh, Diane's power. Uh, so I want to read a few of the early revolutionary letters, and then one late one. This is revolutionary letter number eight. Every time you pick the spot for a be-in, a demonstration, a march, a rally, you're choosing the ground for a potential battle. You are still calling these shots. Pick your terrain with that in mind. Remember the old gang rules, stick to your neighborhood. Don't let them lure you to Central Park every time. I'd hate to stumble bloody out of that park to find help. Central Park West or Fifth Avenue, which would you choose? Go to love-ins with incense, flowers, food, and a plastic bag with a damp cloth in it for tear gas. Wear no jewelry, wear clothes you can move in easily. Wear no glasses, contact lenses, earrings for pierced ears are especially hazardous. Try to be clear in front what you will do if it comes to trouble. If you're gonna to try to split, stay out of the center. Don't stampede or panic others. Don't waver between active and passive resistance. Know your limitations. Bear contempt neither for yourself nor any of your brothers. No one way works. It will take all of us shoving at the thing from all sides to bring it down. And this is a revolutionary letter number nine, immediately following. And I, I sort of picked, uh, I picked this one because it's a, one of the more extreme ones and it just shows you Diane, she wasn't, she wasn't playing around about uh, revolution. 
advocating the overthrow of government is a crime. Overthrowing it is something else altogether. It is sometimes called revolution. Don't kid yourself. Government is not where it's at. It's only a good place to start. One, kill head of Dow Chemical. Two, destroy plant. Three, make it unprofitable for them to build again. I.e. destroy the concept of money as we know it. Get rid of interest, savings, inheritance. Pounds money as dated coupons that come in the mail to everyone and are void in 30 days is still a good idea. Or let's start with no money at all and invent it if we need it. Or mimeograph it and everyone print as much as they want and see what happens. Declare a moratorium on debt. The Continental Congress did on all debts, public and private. And no one owns the land. It can be held for use. No man holding more than he can work, himself and his family working. No one work for another except for love. And what you make above your needs be given to the tribe, a common wealth. None of us knows the answers. Think about these things. The day will come when we will have to know the answers. And this one uh, is revolutionary letter number 11, uh, which is a longtime favorite of mine. Drove across San Joaquin Valley with Kirby Doyle, grooving, digging free digger meat from Free City Convention. Grooving behind talk of Kirby's family, been here a long time. Grooving, friendship renewed, neat pickup truck. We stopped at a gas station, man up tight at the sight of us, sight of Kirby's hair, his friendly loose face, my hair, our dress, man surly up tight. We drove away, brought down across fields of insecticide and migrant workers. And man, I said, that cat's so uptight. What's he so uptight about? It's not your hair, not really. It's just what the TV tells him about hippies got him scared. What he reads in his magazines, what's got him scared. We got to come from behind the image, sit down with him. If he sat down to have a beer with you, he'd find a hell of a lot more to say than he'll find with the man who makes your image. He's got nothing in common with the men who run his mind, who tell him what to think of us. Smash the media, I said, and burn the schools so people can meet, can sit and talk to each other, warm and close. No TV image flickering between them. I like that one a lot because it reminds me of the, he's got nothing in common with the men who run his mind is a, uh, is the state of a lot of the, uh, the world right now. And I'm just going to read one last one. This is a pretty late one. It actually surfaced after we first put the book together and we had a delay. And so we were able to include it and, uh, shout out to, uh, Cedar for, uh, transcribing this for Diane on a visit. This is revolutionary letter number 112. Queen showed us how. Sing we are the champions of the world while the ground under your feet is burning. Sing into the mic. Don't hide your burning hair. Look proud, stride off when your microphone catches fire. Thank you very much. Much love to Diane. Yeah. Thank you, Garrett. So uh, next up, we are honored to have with us Jeannie DePrima, who is the eldest daughter of Diane, and uh, she's here to say a few words and, and read from Diane's work. Welcome. Thank you, Peter. It's, it's, truly, it's truly an honor to be here, and I want to thank City Lights from the bottom of my heart for the effort, for the love, for sharing Diane so generously with the world. It's, uh, it's really quite touching. Thank you. Tonight, I've chosen to read uh, three 
poems that don't appear in revolutionary letters. Perhaps those of you who are just considering buying revolutionary letters might look to some of her other works as well. But um, I want to say before I start reading, I just want to say that having Diane for a mother was truly a gift. She's given me the strength and the wisdom. She's given me strength and wisdom I did not know I possessed. I still don't know what I've got, to be honest with you. It comes out a little bit at a time every day, and I'm grateful for that. So without further ado, poem of refusals. No strong men in shirt sleeves striding through my kitchen, warm and obtuse. No me curled like kitten around a sleeping child and smiling seductively. No short skirts, no long breaths. I will not glance sidelong after reading a poem to see if you understood it. No cozy patios, front yards. My cats will never be fat. No one will put me on a t-shirt. I may never learn to put on my own makeup. Don't want to sit quiescent in the car while someone else drives. No circles to go around in. No checkerboard linoleum. No, no dishwasher. Washing machine unlikely. No flowers, good legs, plaintive poems about marriage. Wind is what men are. And my poems, the sea. Children like grass on the hills, they hang in there. Or like a forest, they don't come and go. No rainbows, only pelicans, flopping clumsy, hoping for that one big fish. You can bet I won't be wistful. Let it go by wondering later what it could have been like. My memories run together and I'm none too sure now who did what to whom, but what we did wrong. But I burned the script where I meet your eyes and smile. This was one of Diane's um, favorite poems to read. And I only say that because she read it a lot and untouched. Song for Baby O Unborn. Sweetheart, when you break through, You'll find a poet here, not quite what one would choose. I won't promise you'll never go hungry or that you won't be sad on this gutted, breaking globe. But I can show you, baby, enough love to break your heart forever. When I was 12, maybe I was 11, I spent my first summer at Tassajara with Diane and Alan. Um, we were, she was studying with Suzuki Roshi. And uh, this next poem was written to me in my 13th year as I was there during the summer studying Zen Buddhism. Letter to Jeannie at Tassajara. Dry heat of the Tassajara Canyon, moist warmth of San Francisco summer, bright fog reflecting sunrise, as you step out of September Zendo, part of your warmth, my girl, as you step out 
into your Vajra pathway, glinting like your eyes turned sideways at us. Your high, knowing, 13-year-old wench smile, flicking your thin ankles, you trot toward adventure, all sizes and shapes. Oh, may it be various for you as it was for me, sparkle like dust motes at dawn in the back of gray stores, like the shooting stars over the Hudson, wind in the Berkshire pines. Oh, you have landscapes dramatic like mine never was, uncounted caves to maiden, my Scorpio, bright love, like fire, light up your beauty years on these new jagged hills. This part is a little difficult for me to read. Uh, when I was, when I was young, my mother was very, very close to a man named Freddie Herpo. He was my, I wanna say he was like my father figure for my childhood. Uh, my father was in my life, but he wasn't, uh, wasn't around very much. And uh, Freddie was there every day. The day before my seventh birthday, Freddie committed suicide. He jumped out a window. And for the following year, Diane wrote in her, wrote about, well, she wrote every day. And from that writing has come a book called Spring and Autumn Annals. And it's come been, it's being published by City Lights. It's been published, excuse me. And uh, they are commemorating its publication this week with an event uh, that can be found on the website as well, I'm sure. And I really wanted to share some of it because it's, it's very moving to me, but it's hard to read. So I'll give it a try. And if the dog snoring bothers you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing my best to keep her awake, but I'm not succeeding too well. October 26th. Oh, it is bright today, the October sun. I follow your odyssey like a new Good Friday throughout this summer week. So gray last year. Sunday was new moon, Kali's night. She sits on your altar now and blesses me. A year ago Sunday did Alan and I take the LSD on which we foresaw a tremendous setting out, pronouncing the words, let it come down resigning our posts as one of the two poles that held up this continent. The Burmans were balancing the other side. The LSD trip was my jeweled brick meditation wall followed by two days, yours with Debbie Lee. When you saw that you had indeed destroyed your house, when you saw you were indeed the king who dies, when you came out of your curtained separate room and gently for hours taught Debbie what you knew made her lie down, teaching her every muscle, as she so sadly now recalls and so gratefully. Now, knowing then your decision, it comes clear you knew it. We went on, lightly resigning a task too heavy for us, telling each other the apocalypse had already happened, as indeed it had in your scene. We went blithely on. The moon was full, the harvest moon. 
At Wednesday reading at the round table, the oracle splitting apart, there is a ripe fruit still uneaten, it said, and we still did not see. In the day tomorrow, we met Johnny Dodd and went home with him for a shower. You cleaned yourself, you danced, you shed your flesh, a leap that brought the new age and turned us loose. You have to read the book. Thank you so much, City Lights. Thank you for the honor of being able to read some of my mother's work and share it with this wonderful audience. Thank you. Thank you, Jeannie. Such a pleasure to have you with us. Next up is a poet, educator, activist, and writer on art, literature, and film. He has several books out published by not only City Lights, but Wave Books, Ugly Duggling Press, and others. Uh, please give a warm welcome to Cedar Sego. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. So nice to be here to read for Diane. I'm going to read uh, revolutionary letters and then one poem from this amazing chapbook, Outtakes. And I also want to mention that uh, oftentimes when I want to hear Diane's voice, I go to the Naropa audio archives. There are so many recordings of Diane reading from the 70s through the 80s through the 90s. You know, if you've already listened to everything on YouTube or and there's nothing really on um, pen sound. So that's a good resource if you don't know about it. Um, okay. Revolutionary letter number 27. How much can we afford to lose before we win? Can we cut hair or give up drugs, take job, join Minutemen, marry, wear their clothes, play bingo? What can we stomach? How soon does it leave its mark? Can we living straight in a straight part of town still see our people? Can we live if we don't see our people? It is better to lose and win than win and be defeated, said Gertrude Stein. Which would you choose? There's that question again. And this is uh, number 40 for Emmett Grogan. If the power of the word is anything, America, your oil fields burning, your cities in ruins, smoldering, pillaged by children, your cars broken down at a standstill, choking the roads, your citizens standing beside them, bewildered or choosing a packload of objects, what they can carry away. If the power of the word lives, America, your power lines down, eagle-eyed lines of electric, of telephone, towers of radio transmission toppled and rankling in the fields, setting the hay ablaze, your newspapers useless, your populace illiterate, wiping their asses with them. If the word has power, you shall not stand, America. The wilderness is spreading from the parks you have fenced it into. Already, desert blows through Las Vegas. The sea leaves its chops at the oily edges of Los Angeles. The camels are breeding, the bears, the elk are increasing. So are the Indians and the very poor. Do you stir in your sleep, America? Do you dream of your power? Pastel-colored oil tanks from sea to shining sea? Sleep well, America. We stand by your bedside. The word has power. The chant is going up. 
and 59. So many different types of poetry, but under this one heading of revolutionary letters. So 59. What we need to know is laws of time and space they never dream of. Seek out the ancient texts, alchemy, homeopathy, secret charts of early Rosicrucians, Giordanisti, Grok synchronicity Jung barely scratched the surface of. Look to the heresies of Europe for blood roots, remnants of pre-colonized, pre-Roman Europe insistent, hopeful resurgence of communards, free love and joy. In God, all things are common. Secret celebration of ancient season, feasts and moons, rewrite the calendar. Head on war is the mistake we make time after time. There is a way around it, way to outflank technology, short circuit energy crisis, retreat and silence, cunning, courage and love. And let's see, oh yeah, 109. 109 for Annie Banks, choose your battles, pick your shots. You have only so much ammunition. Where will it do the most damage? And favorite poems, uh, it feels like it belongs to the revolutionary letters to me. It's called A Good Day Too for Tony Shabella and the Secret Six. It is with my whole heart open, no pain in it. I celebrate lost brothers and sisters. What joy we lived riding war ponies straight into the sun. Thank you. Thank you, Cedar. Our next guest is the poet and editor, Sunny Lynn Thibodeau. Sunny Lynn co-edits August Press and Lou Gallery Editions. She is the author of numerous volumes of poetry. We're delighted to have her with us tonight. Welcome, Sunny Lynn. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I, too, am going to read from other work of Diane's, and this is City Light's book um, for when she was Poet Laureate, The Poetry Deal. And funny story, when she finally did do her reading for this book at the San Francisco Public Library, after the reading, we went up as a family to talk to her and introduced our daughter, Lorca. And Diane kicked her leg out from under the table, wiggling her shoe. And she said to Lorca, who was probably five at the time, do you like my shoes? And they were red and they looked very comfortable. And Lorca said she did, but in our house, we still refer to her as Diane with the red shoes. So this is just one from this and then two others from another. This is Fillmore and Hayes. And this happens to be my neighborhood. It never stopped being the wild west, a different bolster, different gunfighter stance, but that same desperate taste blood in the mouth, corral or liquor store. It never stopped being the Lincoln County Wars. That was written on the winter solstice 2008. This is The Colors of Brick for Michael McClure. What I used to like about poems, they don't up and go like theater, my mistake. The rains are heavy 
and the sun doesn't preserve the fruit either. What I used to like about poems, the words staying still, wine peaches that they don't grow anymore, or at least not in the East, bursting and slightly rotten taste best. If the line carries over, does that make us see? The earth is slippery with rot. The words slide out of place. To be able to see it, to be able to say it is nothing. But the process, the bloody process. What I really love about Diane's work is always she taps everything. It's always it's domestic and it's political and it's all just there always. SF blues, nine days of fog, ominous oracles, screams from Lily Alley, traffic and buzz of planes, electric wires, no baby yet, no sure thing, flowers dropping from lethargy on the back porch. Thank you all. Thank you so much for that. Up next is the poet, Wendy Trevino. Uh, Wendy is the author of numerous books of poetry. Her work has been published by Perfect Lovers Press, Commune Editions, and Kripskaya Books. So delighted to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I feel very honored to be within the circle of people that knew Diane so well. And, you know, just, I love her work. Uh, I feel like I kind of came to it late since we're talking about her. I, it's interesting, comrades of mine were friends with her, you know, they, hang, they would hang out with her and I'd heard about her and I'd seen some of the poems floating around because so many people around me love them so much and I loved them when I would see them but you know how it is, like you don't always go seek out the book. You, you're just happy to see like these poems popping up. And one day I wrote this, uh, it was a plea, honestly, to some to friends on Facebook. It was this, you know, just a uh, like a update or whatever, not an update, it was, it was a plea, but uh, it was a post, that's the word. And one of my comrades actually wrote underneath it, revolutionary letter number, blah, blah, you know, like, like a letter, what revolutionary a letter. And I actually ended up titling that. And that's when I went and like actually read the whole book. And I was just floored, you know, I was like, I couldn't believe the very, like all these, these different kinds of poetry that were in there, uh, that's in here. And um, just how unabashed, just how unabashed Diane was about, you know, who her friends are. And yeah, you know, I mean, that was a big deal for me. So it's a big deal to, to get to be here with you guys is what I'm saying. Um, and probably one of the coolest things I've gotten to do since uh, I started publishing was write this blurb for the book. So it's, it's an honor, thanks. Okay, so I'm gonna read Revolutionary Letter 19, which I think people are really familiar with. And uh, it was probably the first poem of Diane's that I saw you know, that I was introduced to. Uh, Revolutionary Letter 19, for the Poor People's Campaign. If what you want is jobs for everyone, you are still the enemy. You have not thought through clearly what that means. 
if what you want is housing, industry, GE on the Navajo reservation, a car for everyone, garage, refrigerator, TV, more plumbing, scientific freeways, you are still the enemy. You have chosen to sacrifice the planet for a few years of some science fiction utopia. If what you want still is or can be schools where all our kids are pushed into one shape, are taught it's better to be American than black or Indian or PR, where Dick and Jane become and are the dream, do you look like Dick's father? Don't you think your kid secretly wishes you did? If what you want is clinics where the AMA can feed you pills to keep you weak or sterile, shoot germs into your kids while Merck and Co. grows richer, if you want free psychiatric help for everyone so that the shrinks, pimps for this decadence can make it flower for us, if you want, if you, you still want a piece, a small piece of suburbia, green lawn laid down by the square foot color TV, whose radiant energy kills brain cells, whose subliminal ads brainwash your children, have taken over your dreams, degrees from universities, which are nothing more than slum landlords, festering sinks of lies, so you too can go forth and lie to others on some greeny campus, then you are still the enemy. You are selling yourself short. Remember, you can have what you ask for. Ask for everything. Okay, next uh, is Revolutionary Letter 46. And as you learn the magic, learn to believe it. Don't be surprised when it works. You undercut your power. 47, to be free, we've got to be free of any idea of freedom. Today, the State Department lifted the ban on travel to China and closed Merritt College. Last one, 48. Be careful. With what relief do we fall back on the tale so often told in revolutions that now we must organize, obey the rules so that later we can be free. It is the point at which the revolution stops to be carried forward later and in another country. This is the pattern, but we can break the pattern. Learn now we see with all our skin, smell with our eyes to sense and sex are boundless and the call is to be boundless in them. Make the joy now that we want. No shape for space and time now, but the shapes we will. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. So our final guest this evening is the artist, illustrator and writer, Jenny Lowe Winland. She studied poetry and art with Diane DePrima for many years and developed a strong friendship with her. So join us in giving her a warm welcome. Hello, so honored to be here. I first discovered Diane's poetry in the jungles of Maui, Hawaii, when I was a 19-year-old wandering poet. My roommates across the dusty hall were poets as well, and they read pieces of us to my candlelight upon their bedroom floor. I was immediately altered. Upon a trip to San Francisco the following year, I saw a flyer tacked to the board at City Lights, announcing Diane de Prima's upcoming classes. I returned to Maui, packed up my ramshackle belongings, and moved to the Golden City as soon as I could. Diane is the godmother of my firstborn daughter. 
Alabama bee and fiercely assured me I could be an artist as well as a mother. Was it the easy way? Of course not. But she paved a monumental path for so many of us mothers in the same forest. Oh, and she taught me to meditate and laugh and make lentil soup, send countless postcards, her original version of the text message, and to learn my inner magical realm. With humble love and honor, may it continue. First poem of Diane's is Revolutionary Letter 36. Who is the we? Who is the they in this thing? Did we or they kill the Indians? Not me. My people brought here cheap labor to exploit, a continent for them. Did we or they exploit it? Do you admit complicity? Say, we have to get out of Vietnam. We really should stop poisoning the water, etc. Look closer. Look again. Secede. Declare your independence. Don't accept a share of the guilt they want to lay on us. Man is innocent and beautiful and born to perfect bliss they envy. Heavy deeds make heavy hearts and to them life is suffering. Stand clear. And next from, again, the Poetry Deal, incredible book I recommend buying from City Lights immediately. This one is for Shepherd, who is with us tonight, healer and beloved. Now I cook the tree bark gruel for myself with the same love with which you cooked it for me, letting me know I'm worth it. The time, the care, the sometimes rare ingredients. And I wonder as I stir the strange stuff, almost alive, whether that isn't what you do for everyone you work on. Letting them know as you chant the purifying mantra, touch the crown of their heads as it hasn't been touched since they were newborn. If then, letting them know they are worth all care, all tenderness, they are gold of the gold, so precious, carry the source. It bubbles, a luminous spring through every cell of their sickly, tired bodies. This is Love Song of the Loba. Oh, my Lord, blue beast on the pale green snows. See, I have been running to keep up with you. I've been running to find you. My tongue scours ice your tracks made. I drink hollows of your steps. I thought many a dark beast was you only to find perfume of your fur, bright cloud of your breath, not there. They are flesh and clay heavy dross, they do not fly in the wind. See, I have flown to you. Do you lurk in night? Do you sail to sea on an ice floe, howling sacred songs? Oh, my Lord, my good dark beast, how is it I cannot taste you? 
wraith and shadow, triple-headed, blind god of my spirit. You burn blue flame on the green ice. Long shadows lick at your eyes. Your fur like Arctic night, the fire of your song. I will circle the earth. I will circle the wheeling stars, keening my blue gems, shoot signals to your heart. I am your loved one, lost from eternity. I am your Sakti, wheeling through black space. I, the white wolf, Loba, call to you, blue mate, O lost lord of the failing hills. And then one final piece, which is from Recollections. In the early 1980s, I stood in the Metropolitan Museum in one of those huge rooms full of old statues, that light, that afternoon light on old marble, anonymous statues stretching as far as the room. I I no longer remember the Greek or Roman, Greek, Roman or Egyptian, just the field of broken yellowed marble. In that moment, I saw clearly that there was no calling higher than this, to be an anonymous worker in the ranks, one of the unknown artists who from time immemorial and for all time to come have been making the beauty that is the leavening in our lives, a laborer, in the ranks of artists and artisans. There is no difference here, no need to distinguish. I saw there was no fame worthier than this. Simply to have lived and made the work and offered what beauty, what comfort we could to the world. No organization to belong to, no office to hold, no grant or title that was equal to the honor of having been one of these. This is the secret society of Western mythos, the magical society we have sought life after life, that Crowley sought, the Jurjaev society of anonymous artists of the world. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jenny Joe. Oh, that was just amazing. What an evening. It has been really incredible. This wraps up our program, but this coming Saturday, October the 30th at 1 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, we will continue our celebration of the life and work of Diane DePrima with the launch party for her new book titled Spring and Autumn Annals, which is, of course, published by City Lights. And it was one of the final books produced um, We'll have with us Emil Alcalay, Amber Tamblin, and many others. The event will be moderated by Sarah Larson. Uh, this is going to be a virtual event, so please do sign up at the City Lights website. Tonight's event is brought to you by City Lights Foundation, working in conjunction with Lost and Found, the CUNY Poetics Document Initiative at the City University of New York. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Please be safe, be well. We love you all. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com 
slash events.